Welcome to the J Crypto Audio Experience. First off, thanks for coming. Second off, I want to congratulate you for investing in the education of blockchain, cryptocurrency, NFTs, decentralized finance, all those terms that when you first hear you go, what the hell does that mean? Blockchain is a technology shift, guys. Once in a lifetime opportunity. This is Malibu beachfront property, $1,000 per the acre. Now, to take advantage of it properly, you got to invest in that education. And that's what you're here for. That's what I'm here for. So let's learn together. What's up, guys? This is Jay Crypto once again. And in today's podcast or YouTube, as I post these on my YouTube channel as well, I will be going over some general some general stuff for blockchain. Some some thoughts I, I found in my journey on studying blockchain and some things I wish I knew when I first started. So if you've watched other YouTubers, if you've listened to other podcasts, you may have heard these terms, bull cycle and bear cycle. And usually the bull cycle will happen when Bitcoin has a halving event. Uh, this has happened a few times, actually. And we are currently at the making of this podcast, which is in June, in another bull cycle. So with all that being said, what's interesting about the bull cycles is that you tend to see right now in our in our market, this is probably a good thing to start with. We're seeing some of the major altcoins, large cap altcoins go down in price significantly. We've seen a lot of altcoins, lower caps get completely wrecked. And there's a lot of uh, YouTubers saying that we're not in a bear trend on the macro, but we are in the micro. So it's hard to distinguish where we're going. But with the bull cycle, what will tend to happen is you'll see Bitcoin go parabolic, followed by Ethereum, followed by other altcoins. And that has definitely played out. <laughs> and Bitcoin will drop, followed by Ethereum, followed by altcoins. And that also played out. And when I first heard that, you know... I think I didn't take it as seriously as I probably should have. Now, fortunately for me, I'm not a trader, so I'm not trying to just be trading short term. What I'm doing right now is I'm learning. And the reason why is because I believe you really have to know what you're doing to trade in the cryptocurrency market. And I feel as though for the average person just getting into the blockchain, seeing other people talk about gains, seeing other people say that they did a 10x or a 100x, it can be a little bit FOMO-ific. So it can be a little bit of fear missing out that can compile or compound for people's mental states. And they'll just try to get in on something, whether it be Dogecoin or maybe they know a little bit and they get in on Ethereum. Maybe they know a lot and they get, they get in on a project that hasn't had smart contracts but has a great community like and, and is set to explode and be better than Ethereum for platforms like Cardano. And maybe they know a lot of a lot and they see the potential in having a protocol like Mina, which is the lightest of blockchains, or a protocol with proof of history like Solana, 
which adds a whole different dynamic to smart contracts, being able to timestamp blocks and uh, things of that nature. So the point I'm trying to make is that from all the years that I've been in blockchain and crypto, which isn't too many, it's been about four years now, I've seen quite a few different narratives shape. And this is probably the most exciting time and the most volatile time that I've ever seen in cryptocurrency. And it's an interesting phenomenon that we're seeing because you learn a little bit about a project. And since it's such new technology, if you're just getting into crypto or blockchain and you're just starting to understand it, it sounds so sexy. It sounds amazing what they're doing. But then once you dive a little deeper down the rabbit hole, and I wish I knew this, you realize that a lot of stuff can be made again. A lot of stuff can be copied. A lot of things that seem new can be copied and innovated on top of. And I'm just telling you guys this because it's the truth. So even if you are in love with a project, I'm just saying this from somebody who studied blockchain and has seen things innovate on top of innovations. What you're seeing right now, it could be like a GameCube compared to the Wii or a 1920 car compared to a 2011 car. Sure, they're both cars. They're both video game systems. But one's functionality is far, far superior and has different features and and, and just a completely different evolution than the other. And I've said this before and I'll say it again. The other part about cryptocurrency and blockchain that you should probably know is that we are living in a time where whether you're 50 years old or 40 years old or 30 years old or 20 years old or even 18 or, or younger, this is, the, this is something that's going to really sh- have to like, <laughs> this is the weird thing. Technology accelerates. I believe this. So if you look at Bitcoin and then you look at the internet, yeah, we still have a very small rate of adoption or not rate of adoption, excuse me. We have a very small percentage of adoption for blockchain and crypto, but the rate of adoption is faster than any other technology that we've ever had. So I always say this. I always say that technology as we create more technology the adoption of new technology will be faster and faster and faster be harder and harder to keep up with something that's new and i i we're about to see this play out in multiple ways the let's go back in time a little bit so first we had these big computers and then we had these you know usable computers that use like average people could own in their home and they had access to the internet and they could they could write blog posts and and they could create websites or they could go onto youtube and and then we then we expanded that for a bit and and then you just had this giant web of information you could find out anything you could get recipes now from different cultures that you never would have been able to interact with before or just you know different homemade remedies for sicknesses or illnesses and you just had all this 
all this information. And some of it may have been true, some of it may have been not true, but we had access to each other's information. Then we had social media. Okay, social media, you know, came in the form of MySpace and then and then Facebook took over and and then you had this ability to communicate with, with everybody and keep a ledger of all of your social transactions via the means of the Facebook, adding friends. And, and, and our phones would be able to add phone numbers and into our contacts. And, and the world just became a lot smaller because when I hear stories from my parents or back in the day from my grandparents before they passed away, it was like you, you went to high school with somebody and you didn't see them ever again. And <laughs> some of you guys might be laughing at me if you're a little bit older and I get it. But what's cool about blockchain is... I really do believe it brings the generations together. I really, really do believe that. And um, I think that traditional finance, you know, or, or maybe older entrepreneurs who've been successful have, a, have added a lot to blockchain and have given a lot of cool perspective. Guys like Mark Cuban or Gary Vaynerchuk, you know, or Ralph Paul, you know, or Robert Kiyosaki, just educating on Bitcoin and, and different guys like that. What's interesting about it is every single decade, technology is actually evolving quicker. So this is why I think blockchain and investing is, is ridiculous. It's really crazy because if something comes out tomorrow, then you should probably be aware of the team. You should probably be aware of their goal. You should probably be aware of their technology. You should probably be aware of their marketing. You should probably be aware of how many users they have, how much value is locked up. What is their, what are they? Are they a blockchain? Are they a decentralized app? What's their long-term vision? What's their short-term vision? And what's their investment? Like how much investment do they have? But the reality is that most of us who invest in crypto or blockchain, and I'm not a financial advisor, we don't take the time to learn any of those things. And, and that's, that's where a lot of people that you'll talk to who go down the rabbit hole of blockchain and look at it just as an investment point of view, they tend to either say, you know what, this is too much work. I'm not going to do this. I'm just not going to invest in it. It's a little too risky. Or they'll say, oh man, I tried that and I lost all my money. And it was, I, I figured I'd try one, I'd throw a thousand bucks in there and I lost it all. Screw blockchain, I'm never doing it again. <sighs> it's the truth. It's what happens time and time again. I see it all the time. And that is why I wanted to make this podcast because look, DeFi is fun. Blockchain is innovative. It's really cool, but there's only a few projects that will truly be timeless. So unless you're in it to make quick trades, unless you're in it to really just educate yourself on the next frontier of technology, which I highly suggest you do because I've seen social media disrupt a lot of companies. I've seen Amazon disrupt a lot of small businesses. I've seen Spotify and, and Apple and, and Uber disrupt industry, industry after industry. Netflix disrupt industry after industry. And I just don't want that to happen to you if you're a business owner because the awareness is so crucial. The awareness is so, so crucial of these things. And that is why I went from being a full-time realtor and I was doing pretty well 
to going full-time into crypto and into creating content around crypto. And my goal is to get a full-time job in crypto. I'm talking to a few different employers. We'll see what happens there. Just want to make sure I can still create some content um, as well for, for my audience. But um, we'll see what happens there. The point is, I feel very passionate about this. If you are aware that the, uh, that the technologies are still evolving, they're being tested, but you're, you just have your foot in the water. You're just coming to this podcast. You're getting, I'm going to bring you guys both high level and low level stuff, but you're just coming to this podcast. You're putting your foot in the water. You know, you're just keeping tabs on it. You're doing, you're doing 20 minutes a week. Even I know I post every day, but you're doing 20 minutes a week. You can do less than that. I, I think it will be beneficial for you because through osmosis, you'll be aware of some concepts that most people just will not be aware of. Okay. So I wish that I knew that when I started. I wish that I knew that it's true. Technology, even the top tier technology that we have right now, what's funny about it, it, is, it was being developed years ago. That's the truth. This is the point that I wish I knew. The top tier platforms were being developed years ago. Not a couple, years, multiple years ago. And that is a fact. I swear to God, I promise. So, the things that are being developed now, and I say this time and time again, the teams that are about to get together, the developers that are about to start working on something, they have insights that teams did not have years ago. What I'm seeing is this giant game of catch up. And I don't think it's going to stop. I think blockchain is one of the biggest free market industries in the world because of this. It is all about how fast you can either build a project, build a community, and really build something that will last and then continue to continue to upgrade and evolve and continue to adopt and innovate, which can be very tiresome. But if you don't do that, you're going to go extinct. And those are the projects that you, that you guys should learn about and look at. And those are the projects that I like the most because I don't, I, I, I feel confident that even if things change, at least they're going to be keeping up and staying trendy and offering products that will be, you know, useful when the next shift proves that what we have currently is not as useful. Um, secondly, it's also about staying up to date so that way you can take advantage of the new tech, right? So like the other way that things are playing out is projects right now that are about to be built or the teams are about to get together or they're about to launch somewhere. Maybe they've been working on those for a year, right? Maybe, maybe they just started today. That tech those apps will be so far above what we have now. And that's why crypto is truly risky. I've probably put in about 50 hours of research this past week, understanding blockchains, like, like real blockchains, like, like Zillica. I don't know if you've ever even heard of Zillica or, or something like, um, or ICP, you know, that was a pretty big one. It's in the top 20, I believe of all cryptos. And the more I put in time to understand these, these blockchains, if you will, the more I realize that the tech out there has already evolved so much 
from what we currently have with Ethereum, from what we currently have with Binance Smart Chain and Polygon. And it just hasn't been implemented yet. Once that gets implemented, things get really crazy because then what happens? Does everything become obsolete? I don't think so. I think there is going to be a place for user-friendly platforms like whether it be Tron or BSC or, or, or Polygon, like I mentioned before. I think Polygon is really going to be big. But um, the point I'm trying to make is that what we're able to do on Polygon today, we're going to be able to do even more in a couple of years on a different blockchain because there's just there's just things that the original founders of Polygon or Ethereum didn't really factor in. And something else to recognize is blockchains are living entities. So they can have upgrades, they can have software updates. Nothing is completely set in stone. Um, though it's designed to only have upgrades or updates or things that benefit the community benefit the, the the shareholders or the token holders um that's just how blockchains were also designed since they have built-in governance especially if they're decentralized so kind of wish i knew that but the biggest thing i've noticed too is it's funny you invest in bitcoin at the beginning of a bull cycle and you see your bitcoin go way up right and then you then you start start to think you say okay well this is at least what happened this year right to a lot of people um then you start to think oh okay well maybe i'll invest in something else and you look at DeFi and you say what's DeFi? you learn about DeFi. so you go into ave synthetics compound all in december or, you know maybe january of this year then you see those do a 10 20x and then you say what are these things why are they going up so much and then the DeFi explosion happens, the NFT explosion happens, and boom. Now you're looking at the market and you're saying, what are all these new things? What are all these shiny tools? Are there better protocols out there that haven't been discovered? And you say to yourself, you know what? I'm not going to be investing in low cap. It seems too risky. Until you start to use Aave and Compound and you say, wow, this is so fun to use. I just want to learn what other applications exist? Then they got you hooked. You go down the rabbit hole. You, you learn about pre-sales. You learn about IDOs, initial DEX offerings. You learn about all these things. And by that point, you're not even doing it for the money. You're doing it because it's so darn fun to learn about all these different things, all these high yields that you can earn on things and the volatile nature of crypto. And, and how can you play the game so that way you have the best chances of winning and making some solid income that isn't going to be, you know, um, too volatile. So then you learn about yield aggregators, you learn about yield farming, you learn about pancake swap, all these different things. And then what I noticed around that point was that I wasn't even focused on Bitcoin anymore because I was on the adoption level. There's the initial investor level, and then there's the actual adopter level. Adopters, in my mind, are people that are either developers, employees of crypto companies, or users of cryptocurrency. Users, not investors, but users. Do you use it? 
do you use it? <laughs> do you use the blockchain? There's a lot of opportunity on that side of the scope. And I, I, I just wish I knew that a little earlier. That's all I'm saying. I think that it's something that while we're going towards a bear market or maybe we go back bullish, it's something to explore. Learn what a MetaMask is. Learn how to get onto Polygon. Learn how to access OpenSea or Rarible and look at NFTs or go to, go to your local DEX. Go to your local Uniswap. Go to your local PancakeSwap. Go to your local QuickSwap. Start to see what the gas fees are. Because once you understand the products, you're going to make a wiser investment decision. I promise you, you will. And that's not financial advice. I'm just telling you guys what I wish I knew a long time ago. Okay. Another thing, what I've noticed recently, and I haven't heard anybody say this, so this is kind of a hot take on the market. I've noticed that there's a lot of copies, like a lot. And I don't mean like direct copycats. I just think that, you know, 20 through 30 year old developers, maybe, 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 maybe early 40, maybe mid 30. I don't know. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna restrict the age group, but I think that there's a lot of teams out there that have five or six devs, maybe a initial investor, and they just throw something together trying to catch up with the biggest platforms guys they're just copying there's so many pancake swaps out there there's so pancake swap is actually kind of like a copy of uniswap's code so it just has a few different it has a different interface there's so many pancake swap copies there's so many uniswap copies and there's no like there's not like a lot of originality so what I'm trying to say is try to find something that's truly unique. And you won't be able to know if it's truly unique unless you understand and use crypto. Right? So that's why you see a lot of YouTubers talk about the major coins and not really venture down the rabbit hole. Because they want to safeguard their audience. They don't want to come across as a scammer. They don't want to come across about talking about something that either they don't know too much about or they just don't have the time to look into these things. And they know that if they direct you to the top major caps that have already proven themselves, you'll be a bit safer than if you go down the rabbit hole. So try to find something. If you're gonna go down this rabbit hole with me, then look for something that stands out that you haven't seen done before. And then triple check. Make sure it's not a copy. Go into the Telegram. Ask them, is this a copy of another project or is this a true original? What was this project modeled after? Do you have any examples of what this project was modeled after? And find out. Because sometimes they may have copied some of the code, but it has a certain unique twist that really sets it apart. That really sets it apart. Another thing, look for a project that can be the entire ecosystem. One-stop shops are in, baby. They are in. If you have to go all over the interwebs to do about six different things that you really wish you could do in one place, those six different projects are gonna be beat out by the one that does all of them and does them good. 
I would say if a project is starting and they have a team of 20 to 30, it's usually a good sign. Especially if they're a lower cap coin. But sometimes they won't divulge their identities. In fact, a lot of times in crypto, it's actually normal. So don't be freaked out by this. When people control millions of dollars of assets, or I guess they don't really technically control them, but when you put your money into a project, technically it's under their jurisdiction, if you will, unless you really understand protocols and you can read everything. But I'm assuming if you're watching my channel, you probably don't, and it's okay, because I don't either. So you almost have to go in assuming that they kind of, you know, are, are telling the truth or, or just don't be too risky or just find some, a buddy that can do those things, right? I have a bunch of, I have a bunch of people I can talk to on the interwebs and cross-reference stuff with that I've met in different telegrams and I have people in my community that I can talk with and it's all good. But the point is you just, you just got to accept sometimes that you won't know who they are until they make it big. Like certain projects like Pancake Swap's team, who I believe is still anonymous, it and it's in the top 100 coins. So this is billions of dollars locked up in their protocols. And they're anonymous? I mean, it's actually relatively normal because if you know somebody that controls that amount of money, they become an instant target. And if they don't have the means to protect themselves, then it can be actually very bad. If they have access to the, the private keys of the DAO and they're in charge of moving funds around for the ecosystem, it can be very bad for them. So that's why you'll see a lot of people not what they call docs themselves until later on. And I wish I knew this part too, because, hey, you know, when you first hear that you don't know who the developers are of a project, it can spook you. It can spook you out of a good project. So what I think is happening is we're seeing a lot of money, basically. Like, we were supposed to see a lot of money directed at Bitcoin. Then what happened was you saw a lot of money go into the adoption layer, the user. And that money did not go to Bitcoin. So Bitcoin's price didn't go where people expected it to go. Now, this is a very simple viewpoint that I haven't heard either. And I know that there's other things in play. But after everything I've heard, I think this makes the most sense from a common sense standpoint. Like BitBoy always talks about market manipulation. I'm sure that's true. I'm sure that is happening. You know, Altcoin Daily discusses liquidations and some major YouTubers discuss all sorts of things. But what I think is happening on a common sense level is you're just seeing all the people that believed in Bitcoin. They're saying, oh, well, Bitcoin's going to be fine. It's going to go way up. <laughs> and then instead of putting their money into Bitcoin, because everyone knows that Bitcoin has a lot of dominance. So when Bitcoin's up, then the altcoins do pretty well. They would put their money into the altcoins way sooner than they were supposed to in terms of a bull market. Usually that doesn't happen until way, way later. Like way later. But it happened a lot sooner than people thought. So I think that's the effects of when people put their money into places. Because if you have a hundred coins, like maybe we did in 2013, then yeah, the parabolic move for Bitcoin being the best one is going to be a lot better than if you have 40,000 coins. 
that people are always that people are exploring and putting their money into different ones. Let me put it into here. Let me put it into this blockchain. Let me put it into this protocol. It's suppressing the Bitcoin price. That's what I think. I really do. And I think it's going to continue for a bit. I think that we are suffering, or the market is suffering, not we, but <laughs> the market is suffering from the negligence of us accepting humans. Humans' basic tendency to want to move where prices are going to go way up, to want to move to the next new thing, or to just basically not acknowledge, to think that they're the only ones as well. I mean, if you're listening to this, you're early. So I'm talking about, I'm talking about the 1% as well. And maybe in 2013, it was less than 1%. Maybe it was 1% of 1%. But right now, let's say it's 1% of people. Let's say it's 6%, right? Let's say that we've grown that much in this bull market. 6% are using crypto. Well, if if 2% of that is now using DeFi, yield farming, or exploring protocols, that takes a lot of money out of Bitcoin's upside. Like a lot. So I think that that's kind of what's suppressing this market. I really do, guys. Now, what I'm focused on, again, is I'm focused on things that are sustainable. And I'm kind of going long on a few different things that I think are sustainable. But at the same time, guys, like, it's good to diversify, I feel like, for any investor. Crypto does offer a certain unique perspective. But I don't know. I mean, it could go way down from here. We've seen other bear markets. And when the bear market starts, prices drop a lot. But do I think Bitcoin will eventually be the gold market cap? Yeah, of course. I, I really do believe that. I think it's going to overtake gold in terms of market cap by a lot. And I don't think it's too far away. I think in the next year, two, three, four, or five years, we could see easily like a million dollar Bitcoin. Um, it's just kind of like Gretchen's law. Good money moves in when bad money moves out. So I think we're seeing... A lot of bad money move out. And people that are stacking their Satoshis, as the youngsters say, they're going to just keep stacking the Satoshis, guys. People who are selling their Satoshis, that's fine too. I get it. Look, you got to kind of sell some Satoshis sometimes to use DeFi. So it kind of makes sense. But what I think will happen is I think that DeFi will have a less correlation with Bitcoin's price. The reason why is because you can use other things besides Bitcoin in DeFi. We're going to be able to stake NFTs. We're going to be able to stake stable coins, which attract to the dollar. And I'm not saying that it's going to happen overnight. I think it might take a few years. But eventually you will see a market more and more where DeFi doesn't affect Bitcoin and Bitcoin doesn't affect DeFi as much as they're integrated right now. Because there's two different markets. Not everyone that uses gold mines it, right? Or, or holds gold mines it. And I know that there's actually a term in crypto called mining. So that could throw people off. But DeFi is almost like using the gold. Like using the gold. So... <laughs> It's, it's, uh, it's interesting. It's even hard to explain like that. That's probably not the best analogy. There's going to be a market for people to store their value in gold 
And there's going to be a market for people and entrepreneurs to use decentralized finance as a means to creating wealth and revenue, supplying liquidity to protocols and getting rewards from that. Supplying useful NFTs, lending them out and getting rewards from that. That's all I'm saying, guys. So there's going to be these two different markets right now. The two are too intermingled. So when one goes down, they both go down. When one goes up, they both go up. But every time that blockchain creates a new industry, if you think it's going to not take away from Bitcoin, you got to be crazy. If, it, if, if there's a means to create wealth in blockchain, a lot of people that could just be invested in Bitcoin or Ethereum, they're going to use that money that they would have invested in those two to go towards the higher growth industries, even if it's risky. So I think that's creating this little bit of a drainage on the Bitcoin. And I think we're going to continue to see it. But um, I don't know. Those are my thoughts of the day. I definitely have a lot more, but I see that we're already at 32 minutes. and I don't want to keep you guys too long. If you guys could just do me a favor and give me like a five star review. <laughs> I'm, uh, you know, I'm starting this podcast and it would just uh, it would just really help me out. It really would, because if I get some reviews, um, it should boost my podcast a little bit. And I think I run one sponsored ad for Anchor right now. And it gives me a little bit of money every time that somebody <laughs> listens to it. Just a little bit. So it would kind of would kind of give me a boost to uh, to do my stuff a little bit more. You know, this is my passion. You guys can probably tell. My name is Jay Crypto. I got a YouTube channel. I got a, I got a uh, podcast on Anchor. And all of this I'm doing myself. Um, I'm just chasing my passion, trying to live my dream and try to give you guys some insights that maybe you haven't heard. But be safe out there and and be patient. If you see Bitcoin go to 80,000 and you think that it's it's the last chance to get into Bitcoin, guys, don't be naive. Don't be naive. You're going to be able to buy a dip. You will. And and maybe that's the strategy. Maybe maybe dollar costing cost averaging is the way to go. But I've just seen a lot of people get wrecked at the top and it just it just it just pushes people away from the tech and it's sad to see it makes it seem like a fad it makes it seem like something not to touch with a 10-foot pole like the Grinch so that being said guys that's me I'm out I appreciate y'all J crypto take care